just so y'all know, please, um, you can fast forward all of my episodes um, to about five minutes in just because that is my intro music. Um, since usually this is a video podcast, um, I have a countdown of five minutes. So please do if you need to. Stop, 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 stop,
All right, what's up? What's going on, everybody? Sorry, hold on, we'll see. All right, what is going on? And I didn't switch over this thing. <laughs> Sorry, I swear today has not been fun today. Today has not been good. Uh, it's April Fools. I had a stream like the earlier stream did not come out, and it it was just a mess. So again, please send some grace over to your boy because <laughs> it's not working. What's going on, guys? What's going on, Instagram? Um, so yeah, so all right. Hopefully this one will go smoother. Uh, it already hasn't, but <laughs> we we got it. We got it. Um, so just real quick before we start, uh, just want to remind everybody that what's today? April Fools, yes, but it's also um, last day to register to vote. So if you haven't, I mean that's why we're we're talking about these things, right? Um, we need to go register to vote. We need to go do these things before we cannot do it. We need to voice our opinions um, because I, I, whatever anybody says, if you're not going to vote, the people that are elected into office, I mean they're just not listening, right? Um, so if we have ma a mass of people go vote then these these candidates will be or, or these elected officials will be more in tune with with their district right if you don't voice your concerns with with what is wrong with your district and what are your important topics they're not going to know right i mean we're all just one person as far as elected official you can only know so much right so it's important let's do that let's get out there and vote let's get out there and, and find out who our candidates are find out where our district lines at for some reason um for some reason district nine does not have a map on the website of city of san antonio what's up with that patrick <laughs> <laughs> i find that very interesting too and i'm glad to know i'm not the only person that's had a problem with that in past years i've had no problem finding them thankfully i saved yeah. them i can i'll be glad to share with you eric i'll send i'll send <laughs> Definitely. it to you Definitely. Um, and just oh, just to remind everybody, if, if you're new to this program, um, my name is Eric Velasquez. I'm interviewing the candidates for the city of San Antonio elections that are coming up here. Uh, early voting starts April 19th, check um, ends April 27th, and uh, actual election day is May 1st. So if you can go early vote, that's when there's the least amount of lines. You can vote anywhere. So if you haven't caught up to date with the, the elections, you can vote anywhere. It doesn't matter anymore on early voting or election day doesn't have to be in your voter precinct, which is helpful because saw so many people getting turned away last year. Right. Um, so well, not last year, but the, uh, back before when it, that wasn't a thing. So, um, so go and introduce yourself. Sir. <laughs> well, Eric, there's hope because right. uh, while this might be April fool's day, April 1st, and, uh, for you, the good news is you don't have to go find a file, a campaign finance report before five o'clock. So um, I have to still oh, go yeah. do that. And uh, it's, <laughs> my CPA is working on it now. I have to go and join him and, and uh, finish that up before five o'clock. So it, it could be worse. You could you could come yeah. join me. And uh, <laughs> I happy hate those April things. Day and more important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, more importantly, happy Holy Thursday. And this is a day in, in, uh, that is famous uh, throughout the world that gives new hope. And uh, on this Holy Thursday, uh, we start the three of the holiest days of the year and, and uh, how important it is for us all, all to know that we can begin again. And each and every day we can begin again, a new day is a new start and uh, strive to be better, strive to do better, strive to always pursue the truth. And uh, so my name is Patrick Von Dolan 
And thank you, Eric, for having me on your show. And I and, uh, greatly appreciate it and this opportunity to visit with uh, people of San Antonio. And what I'd like to start off with is the, um, uh, my wife and I, my wife, Happy, and I, uh, and our nine children have been here since 1997. I'm a native Texan, uh, originally from the second part of the Battle Cry of Texas. You might remember, I know you know, remember the Alamo, and some people remember, remember Goliad. I'm from Goliad. So remember the Alamo, remember Goliad is a town of 2,000 people and uh, great heritage and tradition and, and history like San Antonio. And uh, we are very proud of that, of that history. Um, so I uh, met my wife at Texas A&M University, and we uh, both Aggies, both class of 92. And we got married, and she came back here to her home. She was Churchill High School, class of 88. And uh, we moved back here and have been living in the same area ever since. And uh, we've become very active in uh, San Antonio. I've uh, been active wherever I live. I come from a family of public servants. And I would say that, um, and all people, I think all people start out this way, but my, my, I've been blessed with uh, great examples in my life from my dad, who's a state rep for 14 years, uh, to my grandfather, who was on the San Antonio River Authority Board, representing Goliad County uh, for years, to aunts and uncles who served as county commissioners, who served as tax assessor collectors and, and the like. So uh, used to the pressure and and the demands of life of public service, but strive for selfless public service like they did. So I had a great example in them and I want to thank them publicly for that example. Um, my um, my business, um, my business partner, I'm a partner of a financial planning firm. We do uh, fee-based financial planning, primarily for physicians. And uh, so what we do is uh, we create financial plans. We help them um, uh, mitigate debt, risk management, uh, we help them deploy their assets to accomplish their goals and it all starts with, with a uh, financial plan. And we work through that, make sure that it always comes comes back to what, what's important to them on their values. And so representing, running to represent district nine, to be running, to be a public servant um, and represent the values of district nine, I think is, um, will be a new change, a new start for district nine, especially over the last four years. And my incumbent opponent, while a nice man, uh, does not represent the values of, of District 9, I believe, and I believe the majority of uh, District 9 is is uh, wants things that are uh, back to basics for the city. We've got to get rid of these pet projects and make sure that we never have another op another situation in a February freeze or any other time that we lose reliable power and we lose clean water. And we have to get back to basics and avoid these pet projects. We have to get back to business. We have to make sure that we're avoiding and fighting for businesses to remain open and stay open. If businesses are not able to stay open, we become dependent on the government and how important it is uh, to make sure that we have our freedom and our independence because people derive their dignity and self-worth in many cases from what they do for a living. And, and, and in my case, helping people. My greatest satisfaction comes from helping people accomplish their goals. I, Look forward to doing that on city council for District Nine, and the other is make sure that uh, the government doesn't shut doesn't shut uh, business down. Business owners know best whether or not they're essential or not. And I can tell you from being a small business owner myself that keeping my doors open and uh, our business doors open and be able to provide for our clients so we can make money is essential to my family. And uh, because we're not going to the government for a handout in, in that regard and, and i think most people are in the same boat they they want to be able to provide for themselves and their families and they want to be able to work and we get you know, make sure the government provides 
a safe place to do that, have that public safety infrastructure, safe roads and streets. And uh, so we can get to work, church, school activities, our, ch our children's activities safely. But then otherwise, government needs to get out of the way. And then back SA Blue, uh, the third part of our, of our platform is make sure you get out and vote against Proposition B. And Proposition B is one that's seeking to defund the police by disbanding their collective bargaining. And then Proposition A is trying to give the city council, city council wants a blank check uh, so that they can issue bonds for any reason, whether uh, it's for infrastructure or not, and without voter approval. Our city charter was established in, in 1951, the constitution of our city. And when we, when we became a home rule city, and now they're wanting to go uh, have a blank check to where they can issue debt uh, for any reason. So it's a, it's a ludicrous to me that city council would want to have a free reign of that without voter approval. And we're gonna work to stop that. So vote against proposition A and B uh, to save our city, avoid unnecessary debt that citizens don't approve of, and then also back our blue because uh, public safety is the core service of the city of San Antonio. So with all that being said, conservative values matter. And we are here. Um, I am the proven conservative candidate in the, in the race for city council district nine. I look forward to being the representative to represent everybody in district nine and, and be a public servant to them. Gotcha. Oh, um, for that, before you start, uh, Eric, uh, yeah. it's more for more information. You, uh, people, while they're watching, they go to votepatrick.org votepatrick.org and uh, that's on social media as well as our as well as our website and so while you're watching the video please go look at that um that information and feel free to ask me any questions all right i'm gonna type it in make sure i have it votepatrick.org right that's correct v-o-t-e-p-a-t-r-i-c-k.org right so i'll put that on there so y'all can go and check it out um you're a fast typer yeah, well, I'm usually faster at typing with my with my fingers because on the phone I'm like, here I'm like, man, I forgot my ASDF JK. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, so first of all, you're the first uh, District Nine candidate. Um, I reached out to other candidates and uh, nothing yet. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Um, <laughs> this is the only only district that uh, I I haven't talked to. Um, surprisingly. So, uh, I know we had tried to talk earlier and, and things like that. So, but, um, right. you know, yeah, it, I'm surprised. So, but, uh, anyway, so well, I'm glad, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, okay. So let's go to, let's go to that, to that subject. Um, as far as the, the police, right. Um, where, I mean, do you, do you think that, uh, in your eyes that, SAPD um, has nothing to worry about, or we don't have anything to worry about as far as accountability goes. Because um, from from a lot of the other candidates, I, I hear a lot of a lot of people saying that there needs to be accountability. So where do you fall on, on that on that spectrum? Well, we, we all have. If we're serving the public, we have to be accountable. I'm accountable to my wife. I'm accountable to my business partner. I'm accountable to my children uh, in my current capacity, and and then I'm accountable to um, uh, people in the district already as I'm I'm running to serve them, and so I'm already accountable to them, and so yes, the police are accountable to the city and particularly the people they serve, and they are here to protect and serve, and 
uh, overwhelming majority of them do just that. Uh, yet it's important to understand uh, for your viewers that this Proposition B that's on the ballot has nothing to do with police accountability. It, and uh, they are being, um, it's a bait and switch tactic. They're, they're saying it's about accountability, but it's really about defunding the police. And we all need accountability. We all need to be working to reform ourselves and, and improve. And as I, as I said, today's a great day, even though it's a hard day with all the different uh, glitches and everything you're experiencing and demands we have this day. But it's, a, it's a new day to begin again. And so we, we need to look to uh, reform ourselves and, and improve ourselves every day. And the police certainly are, are, are in that same boat. And I would um, say with all sincerity and 100% certainty that the, the good uh, police officers, which are 99% of them plus, um, want the bad police officers out of there as, as bad as we do. But this particular ballot, and I'll read it to you if you'll let me. Have you, have you read the ballot language, Eric? Yes. Have you seen the ballot language on it yet? Uh, if, yep. I, if you'll indulge me, let me read it to everybody real quick since it's, um, sure. it's coming up. If you don't mind, is that okay? Yeah, go. This is your platform. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Proposition B, repeal the adoption of the state law applicable to city of San Antonio police officers that establishes collective bargaining if a majority of the affected employees favor representation by an employee's association, preserves the prohibition against strikes and lockouts, and provides penalties for strikes and lockouts. So that's the English they have in Spanish as well. And you can vote for or against, and I highly encourage people to go vote against this. So let's just tear it apart real quick. The uh, what they're talking about is local government code 174 and 174 deals strictly with collective bargaining. And I've had a many conversations with uh, people and, and pastors of different churches as well. And my comment to them is, uh, do we have a right to assemble? The First Amendment gives guarantees the right to assemble. It also guarantees us a right to freely associate out of our free will to freely associate and create organizations that are good for the individual, encourage development and encouragement of other people to participate and are therefore good for society. And so out of free will, the, the police officers have come together and formed an association. Some people call it a union. Uh, it's technically an association in the state of Texas and uh, they freely do that. And then they uh, have that ability to come together and have dedicated representation to negotiate with the city. And that's their right. It was actually granted to them by a Texas state statute. It was a law passed in the state of Texas and then was ratified here by the citizens here in, in the city of San Antonio. I believe, don't hold me exactly this, but I think it was 1983. And uh, where they, uh, the citizens ratified that and uh, that state law here. And that's the way it's been since. And, and what that does is that collective bargaining allows them basically to have profession, professional representation collectively for, the, for all the members and to negotiate the best they can with the city and the city's big government and while i'm a conservative and i'm against i, I stand typically there was a time and place for unions i'm not a fan of unions uh, as a general rule but this is big city government and it's over two billion dollar annual budget per year and you're dealing with with lots of zeros and, and lots of demands to, to make about to meet a balanced budget as required by law and so police deserve dedicated professional leadership uh, to negotiate that on their behalf. And the city needs to do their part to negotiate uh, as well. But police, that collective bargaining helps police have the best equipment. It helps them have the best uh, overall compensation package. And, but one of the best, one of the most important things there is that collective bargaining is essential 
and making sure they have the best and uh, most up-to-date and latest equipment to help them protect and serve us. And public safety is the number one core service of a city. And so they, this is important that people go vote against this. And yes, we still want to have accountability. Uh, yes, there still needs to be, and I would tell you, we would have uh, this, this particular proposition does not deal with accountability. It deals with defunding the police by disbanding their collective bargaining. So um, it, it, if y'all are following it right now, as far as with the collective bargaining agreement that they're trying to, trying to do now, um, the city has been kind of locked and not um, not going forward with the, the current agreement right now with SAPD um, regarding um, disciplinary issues. So, okay, so if we... I mean, this is part of the collective bargaining agreement itself, right? So, because they're they're trying to deal with the the issues of um, disciplinary actions, right? So, if you remove that away, if you remove the collective bargaining, then what will happen, as far as you know? Okay. Uh, well, we can look to Austin to, for an example. What's going to happen? because uh, Austin defunded their police force by $150 million. And so they, they've already defunded uh, them and they've transferred that money around. One of the things they're doing is um, for, uh, buying another hotel for homeless. And while we need to help the homeless, buying them a hotel is not gonna be the remedy that needs to do that. We need to engage the faith-based communities, nonprofit organizations, charitable organizations, and individuals to help with the homeless. The government is not suited, the best suited to help homeless. It's the faith-based community of nonprofits to do that. But, and, but I mean, uh, but, so to honest, they, though, they but to be honest with you, I mean, that has not been working, right? I mean, it, it, we have plenty of churches, um, but it's not helping. No, it, no, Eric, it hasn't been because uh, the city government has taken all the dollars. So there's, I'll give you an example um, that one of the things that, uh, and this is related. It's a little, not exactly the homeless, but let's talk about seniors. So there's what's called an Older Americans Act that's federal dollars. It comes into the city and it used to go to churches and faith-based organizations and not in charitable nonprofits. And the city is now taking that money and gobbled it up and they get to decide who, who uh, gets the money. And that's one of the reasons why the push has been for senior citizen centers is, is to have those in place and, and use that money towards feeding seniors there. But I would tell you this, that the churches and the faith-based communities that have been put out of business of, of doing that because those dollars are dried up because the city absorbs them. So it's not exactly correct, but let me let me stay on that on the on the issue on topic at hand. So the other things that Austin has defunded is the next three training classes of, of their police academy. And so they're not, they've lost the retirement of senior policemen, police officers has increased by 43% in Austin. They're they're uh, so the, that is escalating the number of police officers that are retiring. They don't have enough police officers as it is, and nor do we. And they're it's escalated their their retirement rate. It will do the same thing here in San Antonio if we lose collective bargaining. You have 630 police officers who are eligible for retirement, and you'll see a, an exodus with them uh, very rapidly. We don't have enough police officers as it is with a little over 2,300 police officers to cover over 500 square miles of, of city, a uh, million and a half people. And the um, so we need every police officer there. Public safety is number one priority of, of, of a city to provide 
uh, core services for that in infrastructure and water and, and electricity. So uh, it will dramatically change that. And I would tell you that everybody, if that if that uh, if Proposition B uh, is approved, and hopefully it won't be, but everybody needs to make sure they have the license to carry and be able to, to defend themselves, their loved ones and their property and their neighbors and have and no self-defense because we, we don't have enough police officers on those streets now we certainly won't then and uh, we're going to see a dramatic change in the quality of life as a result of a lack of public safety and so that's why it's so important for people to get out and do this we can deal with we we, we always need to be in like i said we always need to be looking to reform processes and everything And city of san antonio is riddled with broken processes it's not just in in uh police force if it's there uh, the city of San Antonio has has broken process after broken process, whether it be violating state and federal immigration laws or violating the state constitution by passing things like uh, the mandatory paid sick leave that dramatically and adversely impacts business owners like me. And uh, so we have to make sure that all broken processes are reformed and put, put back together. So it's not just one area of the city, it's all areas of the city that we have to look at. And and so it's it's imperative that we that we uh, as my son Jack, who's 11 years old, I was telling him about the issue, and he goes, Dad, I don't understand why anybody would want to defund the police. Those people save us every day. And I said, I completely agree. And uh, so we need to make sure we have the back of of those who protect and serve us, and then we work towards um, any any improprieties after that. Uh, they're in the middle of negotiations now, and it's going to dramatically impact their ability to have the equipment they need. Uh, to uh, make sure they can protect and serve us the best. Gotcha. Um, so, okay. So let's let's be um, fair. Uh, as far as with because I'm a I'm a small small government person, like for sure. <laughs> um, Good. So am I. Excellent. So, am I. so, so with that though, um, I mean. The thing that I'm I'm not understanding is why why SAPD is is using a, a scare tactic though to to do this um, because it is if you look at it if you, if you really look at it it is a scare tactic it's oh everybody's going to walk off but I mean in reality they they need a job right they're going to need the job still and everything like that so the 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 thing that they're pushing is everybody's going to walk off and it's, it's a scare fear tactic for everybody. But also you, you look at the other side and it's like, um, you know, we're going to have this, you know, this corrupt police department and blah, 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 and everything. So everybody's fighting and arguing with each other and not coming together to the table to actually just have a real conversation about it. And everybody's pointing fingers and, let me and give you an example. Sorry. So, so the, the, the fact is, is that it's not fair to the people itself, right? We, we can, we can say all these things about, you know, oh, well, you know, SAPD has done this, this, and this, and, and fix SAPD is looking to do this, this, and this. But at the end of the day, there's, there's two sides and we're not coming together on this issue and, and it's a mess, right? So it's not fair to the people. Um, I, I get what you're saying, and, and I also get what some of the other people are saying too. I, I don't believe that they're looking to defund. There are some people that yes, they do want to defund, but not in that organization, from what I know of. But the the thing too is, from what I have heard as well, is that Sapoa is is upset with 
leadership in SAPD and that that's where the real problem is at. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but I, I, I've, I have, I've understood. But, the, 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 um, but I would tell you, the, as I read the ballot language to you, and let, let's stay as, uh, in with, the, with the objective as much as, as possible, because I read the ballot language to, to everybody, and nothing in that deals with accountability. And so no matter what, what accountability that people want or demand, this is not the vote that they and and uh, we everybody needs to be held accountable, especially for criminal actions um, and and um, improprieties. But the and that goes for anybody that works for the city and serving the public. But what we're talking about here is I read here, Eric, is this is all about collective bargaining. Let me give you an example of why collective bargaining is important and and um, uh, that free will association and come together as an association to have professional representation representation that's dedicated to doing nothing but that is the city of san antonio have you read the, the legislative agenda for for the city of san antonio that goes to the texas state legislature for this year 2021 you read it or no i just read the 174 itself okay so that's you know that's local government code 174 so that actually came from the state legislature but the city passes what's called a legislative agenda every year that uh, that the state legislature is in, in session. So 2021 state legislature, both the House and the Senate are in session. And one of the major topics is redistricting and and different things like that. But but um, they're taking on things like annexation. They're taking on all sorts of things. And believe me, they're hearing about police accountability as well up there. Uh, but the city of San Antonio has professional representation before the state legislature. In my view, it needs to be the elected officials going up there. The mayor and city council need to go to Austin, to the Capitol, and uh, lobby or make an argument on our behalf as the elected as the elected officials representing us, not having taxpayer-paid lobbyists go to Austin to represent a legislative agenda that the city council passes. So it's a fundamental difference between me and my incumbent opponent. My incumbent opponent uh, thinks that uh, in fact, he was telling us at a meeting on a Zoom meeting back in February saying, you don't want the city council mayor going up to uh, the state legislature to, to on your behalf. You want to have paid professional lobbyists. So I'm saying, no, I don't. I want to have the elected people, the people who are elected by the, by the people to go up there and represent us. And, and that's professional representation. So basically, they've taken the city and make it a collective bargaining out of that. And then they hire, use our taxpayer dollars, our tax dollars to go up there and hire uh, professional guns, hired lobbyists, both and represent a legislative agenda that the mayor and city council pass. That's no, really no different than collective bargaining. That's what's on the issue here. It's nothing about accountability. If it's about accountability, I'd say, why are you not representing the, the, the heritage and the values of San Antonio? Because if you read the, if you read the legislative agenda, it is filled with pet projects and ideological based stuff. And one of the things is taxpayer paid lobbyists. And so the city itself wants to have a collective bargaining taxpayer paid lobbyists to go up and argue on their behalf so they can they don't have to go up to Austin. And yet they don't want the police to do it. The other ironic thing is that on Proposition A and um, that while they want to take in Proposition B, they want to take funding away from police in Proposition B In Proposition A city council wants the voters to give them a blank check to do what they want to do without voter approval. Do you see the dichotomy in that thinking? And here they want to take it, take funding away from police here. And over here, they want all the funding with no accountability. 
So the same accountability that these people are arguing for and, and they deserve to have, there needs to be accountability. Um, there's going to be no accountability in Proposition A if Proposition A is passed because it's going to give city council a blank check to pass bonds for any reason, not just infrastructure. It's ludicrous to think that they would they would want uh, the voters to not be involved in passing bonds that create debt for the city. We're over $6.42 billion in debt as a city already. I plan to take my financial background, my financial planning background, and what I know, take that financial science down to city council, help reduce our debt, help plug the holes, help help uh, fix broken processes, and be able to deploy our assets in a way that we're a much more efficient city, that we can take care of our core services, take care of our fire and police, and 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 uh, in a in a good way, have the contract they need, but more, most importantly, have the equipment they need to protect and serve us, and then we can do. The, the core services of San Antonio, make sure that CPS Energy and SAWS can never uh, be allowed and never fail again, and like they did in the February freeze. To, they failed to provide clean water and they failed to provide reliable energy. And one of those things that, that um, and moving on to another topic in that regard is uh, this, this these pet projects and this ideological uh, progressive agenda that they're seeking where they want to shut down all the reliable sources of energy. For example, the JT Dealey coal power plant that was uh, shut down in a year instead of over a 15-year period, it was shut down in a year. And if that power plant had been in, in operation in February, 80,000 more homes would have had power in San Antonio. We had people freezing. We had people that couldn't get water because the energy, that there was no electricity going to the pumps at Saul's plants. And so we had real problems where the, the city failed in a major way, a cataclysmic way, uh, in delivering its core services to the, to the residents of San Antonio, and that's unacceptable. We have to make sure that never happens. My incumbent opponent, opponent thinks that, oh, we're going we're gonna to solve that by adding two more board members to, to the CPS Energy Board. Well, that's ludicrous. We need to make sure the CPS Energy Board is accountable to the people of San Antonio. And because right now the only person that sits on the CPS Energy Board that was elected by the people is the mayor. And that's not enough. We need to have people that were that were elected to serve the people of San Antonio. They're accountable to the people of San Antonio. The same accountability that all these people are screaming for with the police. We need to have it consistent throughout the city. And we have to have people on the CPS Energy Board and the SALS Board that are accountable to the people of San Antonio. Because right now they're not. And nor was ERCOT. And, and so if we want accountability, let's look towards having it across the board and being consistent because Proposition A deals with a blank check for, for city council to have for no accountability. And Proposition B has no accountability measures in it, but they want to defund the police. So we go vote against both those things. And um, so I hope that mm. help, helps give some yeah, yeah. clarity. It does. Um, so, okay. So here's the thing, though. Uh, ERCOT has qualified immunity, right? Is that an issue? ERCOT an issue? Well, for the people of San Antonio, CPS Energy is the issue. They didn't do their risk management. And and um, uh, that's part of my business, my, part of our financial planning work. We plan for uh, bad times. We plan mm -hmm. for bad things happening. It's called risk management. And the city of San Antonio, uh, with lack of oversight, lack of accountability for CPS Energy, CPS Energy failed to have backup reserves. And they didn't buy it in low times. And instead, they had to buy natural gas when it was at all-time highs. 
and we're all going to pay for it. It might not be not, it might not be now, but it might be after the election. It might be a few years from now, depending on how they handle it, and depending on who gets elected on May first. But uh, that's a lack of accountability, and and that's where we need to be concerned about as citizens of San Antonio is that what how did CPS Energy fail us, and how can we make sure it doesn't happen again? And one of those one of those things is making sure that we have backup storage, we have what we need and reliable sources of energy while we always work towards clean energy. We always want to work towards that, but we want to have, we want to pursue all alternative and reliable sources of energy. And one of those things that could have done for us was the coal power plant that was shut down in a year instead of over, over 15 years. Yeah. And that's because, and that's because of another ideological vote. My incumbent opponent and the mayor in 2017 passed the Paris climate accord resolution. After Donald Trump, as president, as the 45th president of the United States, pulled the United States out of the Paris Climate Accord, in my view, a good decision um, because it put, it's very onerous on the United States, but not onerous on China. And and um, the uh, we are a clean nation. We 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 all want clean water and, and, and clean energy. We all want to work towards that. We want to have all reliable, alternative, reliable sources of energy. We all want that. And when when uh, they voted, the city council and mayor voted majority of them voted to put us in the Paris Climate Accord. That gave the direction to CPS Energy to shut down the coal power plant in one year instead of over 15. And that, that plant would have been in, in operation. It would have powered 80,000 more homes. And that's about 20% of the number of homes under CPS Energy that receive power. And that's unacceptable. We cannot let that happen again. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, um, and Don, no, I'm, I don't think police are corrupt. I would just, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to ask some genuine questions. Cause you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, are on a lot of people's minds. And so, um, here's the thing with people doing with, with this new prop that's coming up, I, I think it does send a clear message that something needs to be done. Nothing's being done currently to really fix this problem of accountability. Right. Um, so I, I think even if this doesn't pass or, or whatever it is, if it doesn't pass, I think we really need to start looking at what is the problem, right? So I, I think hopefully if people can really start seeing that, okay, well, there is a problem here. We need to fix something because nothing is getting fixed right now. Nothing is changing. Everybody is acting like everything is okay. Then, then that is an issue, right? Because there are some obvious issues, especially for people of color, people of minority, and that that's a that's a that's a hard thing to have to to talk about, but it's true. Um, but also, you look at the green energy. If something doesn't happen, like like with the snowstorm, and we don't start talking about things that that we can okay, look, I understand that we're not going to be able to switch to green energy just like that, like like how we were talking about. But we need to come up with something to start gearing towards that. But when you have money in politics, like, like the big gas companies that are putting money in lobbyists, like you were talking about up in the Capitol or in the Texas legislature, we're going to continue having these problems, right? So it, it's, it's something that we need to talk about. We need to confront the issue instead of just like, just saying, well, it's working for us right now, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it, we really need to start thinking about that. I mean, do you agree? Do you agree with that? Well, I think I answered that for you before. Yes, Eric, I agree with that. I think I answered that before you before and saying that we, we need to be looking to reform ourselves individually on a daily basis. And as a representative of the people of District 9 and in the, and the city of San Antonio, if I'm uh, elected, uh, which I think I will be, 
then then uh, we, we definitely need to do that and look for reform in all areas of the city. It's not just the police. Uh, we are the city of San Antonio has had broken process after broken process, and that gets us into frivolous lawsuits. And one of the things that, that uh, these frivolous lawsuits do is they cost taxpayers more money. And therefore, when they cost us more money, we can never get a tax break. One of the best things we can do as a city is look for ways to help people keep more of the money that they earn. And because people know what best to do with their money. Government does not know what's best to do with people's money. And, and um, people need to know best how to, how to use their money. So we need to get, get where government is here to serve the people. And when we do that and we're here in the service business, then we need to reform ourselves on a daily basis. And that, that and so the, yes, that's a, that's a long, that's a, that's a, a process of dialogue, uh, of listening and patience and, and action. And so I'm a person of action. One of the things that, that I've done um, as a citizen, as a private citizen, I actually passed, uh, I'm the only candidate running for office, I think maybe across the whole ballot, uh, but certainly in District 9. As a private citizen, I passed a city ordinance on December 17, 2015, with the help of a lot of people um, and the grace of God. But the um, we passed, a, the very last vote of the year was a vote to help protect uh, property rights, private property rights, property home values, and the sanctity of family home life. And from being intruded on by uh, big business that had no business being next to or adjacent to established residential neighborhood or any neighborhood for that matter. And so um, uh, we did that in 2015. The, now I'm the, I'm the lead plaintiff in the lawsuit against the city of San Antonio over the banning of Chick-fil-A from the San Antonio airport. And that was a ban that was orchestrated by the mayor and uh, District 8 and District 1 city councilmen who are so um, obtuse about their their remarks and comments that they made from the dais and open session about Chick-fil-A and uh, they were really discriminatory that uh, broke the First Amendment or uh, discriminated against the religious, uh, deeply held religious convictions of the owner of Chick-fil-A and his right to be able to give to charitable Christian charitable organization like the Salvation Army and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so when the state legislature passed a law two years ago called the Save Chick-fil-A bill, that became the Save Chick-fil-A law and Governor Abbott signed it into law, um, myself and four other gentlemen used that law to file a lawsuit against the city for the, the discrimination against uh, a business owner that has deeply held religious beliefs about the tradition, the traditional definition of marriage and his ability to give to whatever charitable organizations he wants to give to and without being discriminated against by the city of San Antonio or any other government entity. And every business owner, including yourself, Eric, Eric should be very concerned about government getting involved in mandating who you, how you can run your business and uh, telling you that your, your, con your own conscience rights um, do not uh, comply with the city and therefore we're going to ban you or because and because you give to certain charitable organizations is reprehensible. And so we couldn't stand idly by. And we, we have, uh, we won at district court uh, here locally. The city of Pennsylvania was flabbergasted and appealed to fourth court of appeals. And then uh, they won at fourth court of appeals. And we, we appealed to the Texas Supreme Court on November 4th of last year. We've been waiting for the city to respond. They've been given two uh, waivers uh, extensions. And but they won't. I don't think they'll be granted a third. But they're trying to they're trying to drag this issue out 
after the May 1 election because it'd be very bad for the mayor and city council, especially district one and district eight city councilmen for their reelection. But you talk about accountability. Here we have a situation where as a private citizen, myself and four other men have taken action to hold the city accountable. So I wanna tell you that, that I'm completely committed to accountability, whether it be with city manager, police chief, police force, uh, the uh, development services department or any other department of the city of San Antonio, I'm all about making sure that people are, are held accountable as well as myself and um, to be held accountable. My wife does a great job of holding me accountable and, and uh, my children as well. So we have to be about accountability. So th those frivolous lawsuits and, and unfortunately uh, th this lawsuit is costing the people, uh, it's the, the city's tab right now is about a million dollars in, in trying to fight our lawsuit against the Chick-fil-A, the banning, their banning of Chick-fil-A in which we had to respond and hold them accountable that they, they broke the first amendment. They discriminated against a, a business, a privately held business. And, and uh, we, as a business owner, they're coming after us next as in, for whatever they don't like that we do. And so we can't stand, sit idly by and, and not take action in any form or fashion we can do that. They don't want to be held accountable. And so we're going to help hold them accountable. And that's the citizen's job is to do that. And so I encourage anybody to, to, to look at, look at, search my name, Patrick Von Dolan and, and Chick-fil-A and, and uh, airport, and then they'll find uh, the, uh, the legal documents that they that to read about. But uh, we can't sit idly by and do that. The, the lawsuit over the uh, police chief and his participation being instructed by the mayor to go and release the 18 individuals that were here illegally in December 17 in the back of the 18 wheeler and were dispersed into society. Uh, that that's, uh, lawsuit has cost us, I believe it's uh, more than $2.5 million now. And, and so these are the kind of lawsuits that they're from broken city processes that cost taxpayers more money. We have to correct those. We have to reform those, hold those people accountable and make sure that it happens because that'll save us money. Then the people of San Antonio can get tax breaks. And that's what we need to look to do. Gotcha. Um, speaking of money, saving money, <laughs> uh, have you ever looked at, um, Ranked choice voting. And for the people who are watching, if you haven't heard of ranked choice voting, basically it's um, it's basically an instant runoff. So especially with races like in D2, D3, D5, the, or, or even the mayoral race, you have so many candidates on the ballot. Um, with ranked choice voting, the way this works is you rank each person from one, two, three, four, five. Or, or you could just put one. It's up to you. <laughs> um, but you rank them in order, and every the, the the winning candidate must have the fifty one percent, just like normal, just like we have now. You have to have the fifty one percent. If they don't, in normal cases like we have now, then once the election's over and the votes are tallied and there is no clear winner, fifty one percent, then we go into a runoff election. Um, runoff elections usually have a low voter turnout, unfortunately. Um, and we, I mean, we have a general low voter turnout to begin with anyway for municipal elections. But what happens is the, the, the runoff happens and the city or the county spends eight to $10 million every time to hold a runoff election uh, or, or just an election in general. So with this ranked choice voting, it, it triggers what's called an instant runoff. And so it goes in rounds. So if, if there is no clear winner on the first round, 
you don't need to vote more than once. This is just once. And then if your top person doesn't get, you know, the 51%, then we go into round two and then your second vote, those get, those votes get tallied over to the round two and so on and so forth until there is a clear winner. And so again, this would, would help save the, the county so much money itself the city so much money because one, you're not having to look for volunteers. You're not having to have a runoff election and you have more people being able to voice their opinion on the, their preferred candidates in order. Also, it would, it would encourage candidates to work together in a sense. I mean, I'm not saying to work together completely, but work together to where they would want to try to get somebody else's second vote. Right. So you would you would try to to work together in a sense and, and be a little bit more to where you're not throwing throwing mud at each other in a sense like we've seen some of these campaigns uh, happen you know in, in the past. But um, is this something that you would like to possibly see? I mean, I know you can't vote on it or anything as far as like enacted, but is this something that could kind of you know you, you would like to see something like that? Well, I, I, in all candor, I'm not familiar with this and certainly open to dialogue about it. Um, the, uh, as all issues are important to me, that yet at the same time, uh, that would be a, a requirement of vote by the people to change that kind of voting structure. And uh, if the people wanted to do that, then I'm all for that in that regards. Um, I'm all for saving money for uh, taxpayers and, and uh, certainly would be open to that discussion. I think there's a lot of education that has to go on with that, that, the city of San Antonio has been guilty of, of putting out propaganda, not education to voters, including with this, these propositions A and B on this ballot. So I, I, as, a, as a private citizen, uh, the first part of me is concerned with who's actually putting out the education because the city of San Antonio has proved itself to be unreliable in, in providing side-by-side -side objective information and and uh, so uh, there's a lot of education that goes along with that uh, from from to have that, to change the that style of voting. I'm certainly open to the dialogue of it, and uh, it's quite quite a, a uh, interesting idea to help save taxpayers money. And interestingly enough, in 2017, when I ran for office the first time, when I ran for district nine the first time, there were 10 candidates running in uh, for district nine as an open seat at that time, and I came in a very close third uh, with about 19% of the vote. And and uh, so the, the the lead two candidates, including the incumbent that's uh, running for election now, um, got 20, 21 and twenty three percent respectively, and and then the um, the one that got twenty one percent actually won that the runoff. So that that would um, that actually would fly in the face of that uh, idea, Eric. Not that I'm opposed to it. I'm just saying from a standpoint of the runoff, the way the runoff went. Um, the person who came in second place in, in the jungle, what we call the, the jungle election where you had the 10 candidates in there and, and uh, the person came in second place there actually won the runoff. And uh, so it, it would go against uh, this measure uh, from that standpoint. So it'd be interesting to compare and look at that. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, the uh, and get 19% of the vote in 20 in 2017 with, with uh, 10 candidates running in 2019, I ran uh, for District 9 with four candidates running. We got 41% of the vote. And uh, so we're on a trajectory to win this race, uh, potentially outright. And, and uh, we've been very blessed to have great name identification, great momentum, incredible volunteer team, uh, block walkers, phone callers, uh, team, uh, sign team, 
and uh, campaign manager, everybody, uh, just phenomenal and uh, been really a gift to me and uh, it will be a payoff to, for the people of District 9 in the city of San Antonio. Uh, so hopefully we won't have that issue on come May 1st uh, this year. <laughs> it will just win it with 51% of the vote and uh, save everybody money in, in there uh, as well. But there's a good chance there'll be a there'll be a runoff, especially with the mayor's race. Oh yeah, and there's going to be a runoff for District Two, District Three, District Five. I mean, that's that's more likely going to happen. Could, and there could be with District <laughs> Nine as well. But but uh, the uh, you know interestingly enough, in 2019, uh, I think the voter turnout for the jungle election or the general election was 11 percent, little over 11 percent, and the runoff uh, election was for the mayor's race was 15 percent. So actually got more people out for the runoff election than you did for the the uh, first the regular election or general election. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so it's it is interesting when it when it gets more heated, like you said, people tend to turn an eye towards it because a lot of people will tune out city politics. But yet we all know that all politics is local, and a lot of the stuff that's happened on a federal level is impacting San Antonio, and and a lot of, a lot of legislation and ordinances being considered here are the same now as what's being considered at a federal, state and federal level, and especially now with uh, the increase of the number of illegal immigrants coming into uh, Texas. And now we have approximately 2,000 or so uh, young males, um, uh, young men and boys at the Joe and Harry Freeman Coliseum that's owned by the county. Um, it's really upon us now. And um, because we have to make sure that we are abiding by as a city abiding by state and federal immigration laws. Do, do federal immigration laws need to be reformed? Absolutely. That's another reform that needs to be done and uh, to make sure that there's a path for, for legal migration uh, of people that have been vetted and are, and are, uh, would be good for us to have uh, as residents of San Antonio, Texas, and, and the United States of America. But coming in illegally is unacceptable and we need to make sure that, that um, we, we abide by those state and federal laws and not be a sanctuary city. And we even had a, that's part of the lawsuit with uh, that that uh, situation I explained in 27, December 2017 when the 18 people were in the back of the 18 wheeler. And what's happened there, it's costing taxpayers lots of money because the Texas Attorney General is suing the city, uh, the police chief and the city manager over breaking state and federal immigration laws. And that, that, that harms all of us. And so we need to be very concerned about that and we, uh, people have a right to migrate and uh, our government has a right and an obligation to regulate our border uh, and to, to know who's coming in and out of it and uh, for the benefit of the citizens here. And so there's the delicate balance there, but but that um, that's a city of San Antonio, another broken process for the city of San Antonio. We, we've got to reform the city of San Antonio in total. And it's not just the police that need reforming, it's the whole city. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. This city is, uh, it's messed up. <laughs> there's criminal justice reform. There's a lot of different reforms, you know, school reform, and there's there's so many things. But well, yeah, and we didn't um, have, and so on reform, Derek, uh, every five years, the city is supposed to have a, a what's called a five year unified development code review. And last year, because of the COVID pandemic, they didn't have that five year review. And that, that is actually part of the process that, that I led the effort on in 2015, starting in January 2015, going through that to that vote on December 17, 2015, the whole year. We were uh, in, actively engaged in going to numerous committees, the Planning Commission, the Zoning Commission, 
the, pl the Planning Commission Technical Advisory Committee, the Building Related Fire Codes Appeals Advisory Board, all these different boards and commissions presenting uh, this case and, and part of the unif Unified Development Code process, the five-year review that we are integral to. And so I, I have already exhibited as a, as a private citizen how integral uh, accountability and reform is. I've, I've, I've participated in the process as a private citizen. I've given up my livelihood and income that impacted my family as a result. And, and uh, because of the amount of time we, we have taken to, to help uh, families in the city of San Antonio and, and I'm willing to do it. Uh, and I did it uh, cheerfully and I'm willing to do it again. And that's why I'm running to serve the people of district nine. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> toughest question of the day. <laughs> what are your top three small business restaurants in district nine? <laughs> in district nine well you're gonna you're gonna get me because the, the um my 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 tuesday my taco tuesday favorite is taco polinque at north new Brunswick and, and loop 410 but that's right inside district 10 and uh um, wow. but um the uh for for district um nine is um is obviously you have you can't you can't beat um, i love mexican food and um the um and i love steak and so I always look for local places and to, to eat at. And uh, so you can't go wrong with uh, La Hacienda de los Barrios, which is up by my house on, on Redland Road, um, to um, Alamo Cafe, another local hometown favorite, to um, uh, Rufi's um, and Mexican on, on uh, Blanco and West Avenue. And uh, they're great. So. Um, uh, I, I just I love local places. I love um, some people call them hold the wall. Some are nicer than others, uh, but it's hard to beat uh, when you you can go there. And my eating habits have changed and need to change more. As my children like to give me a hard time uh, about that. The um, but to where I'm eating more whole food and salads and uh, not as much chips and everything. So it's hard to do that. But uh, um, I gave up. I gave chips for for Lent, and um, so I'm looking forward to. Uh, to uh, having some uh, uh, good tacos on Taco Tuesday next, next Tuesday with some <laughs> chips and queso and salsa. Uh, but as far as, uh, um, and then um, steak places go, um, favorite, the um, saltgrass is great, but again, I look for local places and, and I love places like the barn door and and, and um, local local establishments is what I like to go because you know what that helps the people here uh, as well. And, and um, while barn door is not in District 9 either, uh, it's in District 10. Have you been in a uh, um, Blanco barbecue? I have been in Blanco barbecue. I, I like Blanco barbecue a lot. I have not had a steak there though, and um, but I, I need I, I need to try if they have a steak there. But they have great barbecue. Thank you for mentioning that because I, I do frequent Blanco barbecue, and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm there at least once a month, if not more. And uh, Blanco barbecue has excellent food. They're in the heart of District Nine, and uh, right there at Blanco and over by uh, Churchill Estates. And, so a fantastic restaurant. There's so many great ones. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get in trouble. You're gonna get me in trouble, Eric. For, for uh, not no, it's all, all it's it's all love. They they, they they got it. They got they'll, they'll be. What are your what are your favorite I restaurants mean, in, in District Nine? In District Nine, I mean Blanco for sure. La Hacienda. We we have gone there a couple times just because um, it's outdoors and you know ever since COVID, I mean you know we we've we've just been we've been very lucky. We we haven't gotten covid at all ever which surprisingly you know but we've been very careful um 
and I'm going to knock on wood because, <laughs> but, you know, um, but the, the, we, we like to go and we're going to go out, we're going to go outside. Um, especially cause we have yeah, a three-year-old and a four-year-old, three-year-old and a four-year-old will touch anything. Um, so, you know, the first time I saw my, thank you, but the first time I, I was like, I realized like my daughter, she had, she had picked something off the floor at the Freeman Coliseum and like <laughs> eat it. And I was like, no, <laughs> so more than five know, seconds. Well, oh, no, yeah. not, not there, oh, not there. Were... It was at a circus. It was one yeah. of the circuses. Oh, <laughs> and uh, you sure, were that, like, you sure yeah. that was food? <laughs> uh, I hope well, so. Um. Yeah, well, <laughs> the the, uh, the other end for hamburgers, of course, you hard to beat Chester's for hamburgers. My my children love Chester's and the one on 281,000 Oaks, um, family owned. And um, But my son, who's now 22, my oldest son, who's 22, drew a picture I don't know, four, 14, 15, 16, 17 years ago. And it's on the, you know, the, the, the soda fountain, uh, the Coke fountain um, drink where they pour out all the Cokes and everything on the backside of they have still, they still have it uh, taped up there now. It's been there for more than a decade of his picture of a, he's a very artistic young man. <laughs> and um, so uh, they, he drew, drew a great picture of a ham, of their hamburger as he loved it and put it up there, still up there to this day. And so we love their hamburger. So also, you know, Longhorn Cafe has great, great burgers and, and, uh, yeah. and they have good chop steak as well. So we, we like those and Willie's, you know, those, those are all great places that uh, we, we enjoy. We, we, my, my wife's favorite thing to do is go out to eat with nine children. She'd much rather go out to eat than prepare food. And, and so we, we like to frequent lots of different places. Is, uh, is Biggs in district nine? Or is that District Eight? Biggs is in District Nine. Yes, okay. And, that's, that's uh, on my- it is. We, we've we had matter of fact. Uh, thank you for mentioning Biggs. We had our campaign election watch party in in uh, oh. in 2019. There, we that's where we had our election watch party. Good chance well, we we could be back there again. Uh, it's a nice environment. They had TVs everywhere, and, and uh, while it wasn't outside, the the, uh, the kids and everybody could go outside and play in their little play area, and while yeah. the adults could stay in there as well. So. Um, uh, but that's, there's lots of great, uh, establishments, you know, <laughs> one thing about restaurants and people need to know is that restaurants and hairstylists, nail salons have all been dramatically impacted negatively because of the government shutdown. And that goes back to the mayor's disaster declarations in which they, he determined which businesses were essential and non-essential. And again, I go back to saying that these restaurants and the nail salons, hair salons, everything, they know best if they're essential or not. And I can tell you they are because they can't provide for their families if they're, if they're not working and the doors aren't open. And so these restaurants have been dramatically impacted. Louis Barrios, who's a friend of mine with La Jacinto de los Barrios, uh, they called me up. We had our kickoff event for this campaign at, los, at La Jacinto de los Barrios. And uh, right next to them is a, is a great family operated uh, business, a barbecue place called Burnwood 68. And yeah. Burnwood 68 has excellent barbecue. And I highly recommend it. Go go see them as well. If you're if you're if you're, if you're I, I don't book, I don't pack, I don't, go I don't know them. about the I don't know about the karaoke though. I see I heard some karaoke. Oh, yeah. I've like, heard about that. I know. Go. I have some I have some of my neighbors from my neighborhood go there and sing. They asked me to come there the other night. And I said like you don't want me singing there, but <laughs> but uh the um, uh, nonetheless. But these these businesses have been so adversely impacted. I mean, fifty percent or more of their of their revenue is gone. That means that the employees, most young people's first jobs are at restaurants, and so these people don't have don't have their spending money. They don't they can't pay for their their new their new car when they get their license. Now, you know whatever car they purchased, or you can't pay for their insurance. You can't and they just can't function and and can't be free. We have to, we're a people a, a free people, 
And to do that, we have to be free and be able to freely operate our businesses, open them. If we want to open them, run them as we want to run them. These business, these restaurants, we all remember the, the signs you say, no shoes, no shirts, no service. And that is emblematic of the business owner's conscience rights. And so you want to add no mask in there. That's, that's the business owner's decision. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You don't, don't. It's your free will. But and uh, now with the mask mandate being lifted, but the business owner determines they, they no shoes, no shirts, no service, no mask, no service. Don't you can either choose to go in there or you can choose to go somewhere else. And and it's your free will. But these businesses deserve to be open. And we can't allow uh, a mayor, a runaway mayor to decide who can be open and who can't be open. Like, for example, the first five disaster declarations issued by Mayor Ron Nuremberg went unchallenged by anybody on city council that I know of. Uh, with there's no exemption for houses of worship. We're entering the three most holy days of the year for Christians and uh, Holy Thursday today, Good Friday tomorrow and Holy Saturday. And then with the culmination on Easter Sunday where Jesus rises from the dead and we celebrate his resurrection. Well, um, it, we these in, in the city and the city of San Antonio is named after a saint named St. Anthony. We're a, a, I have a deep roots in Christian heritage here and Judeo-Christian heritage as well. But in the Christian heritage side of it, he's deciding he's deciding who are just excuse me for any religious tradition. The mayor decided who could and, and, and could not be open. And there's no exemption granted for any house of worship, no matter what religion you are or faith tradition you were. No houses of worship were allowed to be open in the first five disaster declarations declared by the mayor, Ron Nuremberg. And that's unconscionable. You know what? The liquor stores were open. All these other different stores were open. But in a time of pandemic, people needed God more than ever. And the mayor cut off access to houses of worship. That's unconscionable. As far as I know, nobody questioned him on it. That's another lack of accountability and a broken process. And I can assure you, that that would never happen again with me on city council representing the, the people of District 9 and all of San Antonio in, the, in this city named after St. Anthony to make sure that people, whatever your faith tradition is, you have the right to to, to go to your house of worship and and that nobody's going to prevent you from doing the, doing so. And the police are going to be around to help make sure you get there safely and have and have the confidence and peace of mind to know that you can be in there worshiping God safely and um knowing that the city is doing its part to provide those core services. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, there, there's always things that we can do to, to, to go around some of these situations. Like, like my church, we actually, um, you know, they, they were shut down, but, but then there was a point where they, where they did outside service. So, you know, I mean, they, they worked around situations like that to a point. It was like, all right, we got to get back and, and things like that. And, you know, obviously some some churches can't do that and, and things like that but it, it's good to see people's imaginations you know start changing and, and and i think the the biggest thing from covid that happened from covid a lot of people started thinking differently especially with their lives right they started thinking differently doing things differently so there was a positive right there was a positive with that and things were people were opening up their own small business for the first time instead of working for somebody and right there's all these cool things happening but yeah i mean you know there's definitely an overstepping there but you know well, yeah, the, greatest I was actually thing, the greatest thing was the greatest thing is that when you go to the go to a restroom and you you see more people washing their hands and and um, yes. I, i'm always <laughs> amazed when people go to the restrooms especially go number two 
and they come out of the restroom, they head right out the door and not watch them going like, make sure I don't shake your hand. And so how we all learned how the importance of personal hygiene and washing yeah, your hands. Yeah. That's the most important thing we can do. And, and, uh, before, especially before we eat, before we shake the other people's hands and inter intermingle with that. I mean, how, yeah. how, how I just was always blown away by that. So it's been great. Well, That's been a good thing to see people do take more care for that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and regardless of, of whatever everybody is, you know, think is thing is about masks. I mean, I actually like it. If you are sick, if you're sneezing and coughing, put a mask on. I think hopefully now this will give people a little bit more like self-conscious about wearing a mask. But, you know, I mean, if you think about it, you're like, man, people are just sneezing all over the place and all this stuff is coming all over the place. And, <laughs> yeah, you can cough on your elbow, but really, like, if you're sick, you know, you, your nose are running, and, you know, it maybe wouldn't hurt to put a mask on, you know what I mean? Well, it might, so, might be good to stay home in that case, but, you know, well, that too, yeah. and, and, and uh, certainly uh, take the vitamin C and your zinc right. and your vitamin D and that take care of yourself and lots of fluids, but, but, um, maybe not even get out at all, but that's, you know, it's again, their free will, but that would be a good time to wear a mask probably. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, but all right. Well, I don't want to take you cause I know campaign finance reports, they suck and I had to do them too. And I, I, I hate it, yeah. but, um, I know you gotta go, but, uh, any last things that you want to say, uh, before we wrap up? Yeah. I, I just, I just summarize what, I, what, um, is important for your, your viewers and your listeners and followers to, to know is that my name's Patrick Von Dolan. Uh, my wife, Happy, and our nine children uh, are love San Antonio. And I'm concerned about the future of San Antonio, not for just us, but for our children and our grandchildren. Because at the rate the city's going, it, our city is going to be in massive debt. And the only thing that will separate us from Detroit is a growing population currently, but that won't always be the case. We need to make sure that we get back to business, get back to basics, and get back SA Blue. And so most important thing there is out of that to start with is getting back to basics. We have to get back to the core services of the city of San Antonio and what the charter, the city charter, the constitution of the city uh, set up for us to do and provide, which is mainly public service, infrastructure, and w clean water and reliable energy. And uh, that all comes first. And then uh, get away with all the pet, get away from all the pet projects, whether it be a critter bridge, a district nine, or whatever else it might be that detracts from those basic city core services. So we got to get back to basics. And so once we're back to basics, we get at the same time we get back to business. Make sure businesses can stay open. Business owners can exercise their conscience rights to run their business uh, as as they see fit without the gov without with little government interference, and uh, to make sure that they're able to operate and function and provide for their families and hire people because it's small businesses that are the backbone of this of this city and then um getting back sa blue encourage people to make sure that the police have are uh, we ratify again by voting against proposition b that the police have a right to freely associate and they have a right to collectively bargain and so that they're not defunded they have the best equipment and continue to do that. And so we, we have the, we protect those people who protect and serve us, as my son Jack says, or save us on a daily basis. And Proposition A, go vote against Proposition A because the city wants no accountability from the, from the citizens. They want a blank check to be able to pass bonds for any reason and increase debt. And that's a terrible idea. The voters need to approve any, any type of bonds like that, especially for our, our, to continue a good credit rating. And uh, we issue all these bonds and everything. Uh, then, then we will certainly lose our good credit rating, and it will be it will subject us to, to greater taxation. 
and, and harm to citizens. So we need to make sure we vote against Proposition A and Proposition B. So again, get back to basics, get back to business and back SA Blue because conservative values matter. Family matters in the city of San Antonio. We need to help um, continue the greatness of the city of San Antonio by protecting the dignity of each and every human being, the family, and promoting prosperity. And the way we get there is by reforming and make sure we, we have fewer broken processes and make sure that, that uh, we have less debt and people have more freedom. And we need to make sure we, one of the ways we do that is we start with a, a, a property tax rate reduction and a tax break for the citizens wherever they can to have more money in their pockets. And government needs to be here to serve the people. So with that, please find out more information about me at votepatrick.org. That's votepatrick.org. And my name is Patrick Von Dolan. I humbly ask for your vote on May 1st. Early voting begins April 19th. And as Eric so eloquently said before when we began this, today's the last day of, of, of registering to vote. So please go register to vote at texasvotes.gov. If you haven't done it already, it takes a very little amount of time to go do that. And so you're registered to vote today and you can start voting on early on April 19th or on Election Day, May 1st. I'm an I'm a, I'm a Election Day voter, personally. I love the excitement of voting on Election Day. And so maybe I'll see you at the polls on May 1st. Thank you very much for your time and attention. I great, greatly appreciate it. Definitely. And it's it's really cool. It's it's interesting when you see your name on the ballot. It's like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you what, know, like, what's more interesting is, is it's humbling when people say I voted for you. I mean, it's really a, it's really a humbling. Right. Exactly. Um, how can people get a hold of you, volunteer, donate? Um, oh, thank you very much. Yes. You know, with um, with the heated race and um, uh, by the way, uh, there were five, five candidates on the ballot this time in 2019 in 2021. And one of the candidates, uh, Corey Dennington, has dropped out after the first candidate forum and said, Patrick, he called me and said, Patrick, it's obvious you have the greatest grasp of the issues and the best chance of beating the incumbent. And uh, I'm dropping out and endorsing you. And so Corey Dennington, but his name is still on the ballot. I'm number three on the ballot and uh, a great number. And um, now I'm number three on the ballot. This is my uh, a third time to run. And I think we have, we have all the momentum trajectory in voting and name recognition and ID and, and uh, to win this race outright. Uh, but yes, we need money. Um, first and foremost, I need, I need prayers, uh, prayers and safety, uh, prayers for the safety of my family, prayers for us to stay the course and uh, to continue to share the truth and uh, never unabashedly never run away from the truth and, and, from that, and dialogue. Uh, second, uh, next to prayer would be uh, precious resources of, of time, talent, and treasure. And uh, we need volunteers for block walking, for phone calling, uh, for having coordinate that. We need, um, for, as I said, phone calling, uh, we need we need uh, people to help uh, with mailers and address, hand addressing things. So there's all sorts of things you can do from your house or come to the office and, and do that um, as well. And so you, uh, the best way to do that is call the campaign line at 210-908-0033. And uh, my, my campaign manager has that, Dina, and uh, 210-908-0033. Or you can email uh, Patrick at votepatrick.org. It'll get to me and her. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to remember, Patrick at votepatrick.org. And uh, we'd love to have your help uh, because we need lots of it. And uh, we appreciate the maximum campaign contribution per individual to the campaign is $500 for anybody 18 years old and older. And uh, we need lots of those. We're in a campaign right now, to, uh, drive right now to have 50 
people give $500, but any amount will be greatly appreciated. It could be $9 in honor of District 9. Uh, it could be a dollar. Any amount will be greatly appreciated. Um, those, um, uh, unfortunately, the city caps us at $500. And for that, the people who can give are limited and, and other people are uh, stretch and, and give a dollar, give $9. And, and I really appreciate that as well. And that, that campaign contribution can be made online at votepatrick.org as well. Votepatrick.org. There you go. Hopefully y'all got that. Or you could just press rewind on the, on the save the uh, video there and, and uh, you can catch that. But um, all right. Well, thank you, Patrick. I appreciate it. Um, good luck with those campaign finance reports. <laughs> uh, hopefully thank your you. your uh, your guy has, has already completed most of it. I'm them. hoping so, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank thank uh, you for having me on, Eric. And, and I really yeah, appreciate definitely. the opportunity to visit with your audience. For sure. Um, so thank you everybody for joining and also the listeners. Um, if you would also like to contribute to this live stream as well, uh, um, you can do so as well by uh, just sending it over to my cash app down below. You can do that. Uh, I am doing this independently. I'm not working with anybody. So uh, if you would like to do that, uh, please do keep the live stream going. Um, we're almost done with the election stuff. So, I mean, there's not many other people that I have left to, to, to interview. Um, it was a challenge. I didn't think I was going to get through all these, but I think we're at like about 60 or so interviews. Um, wow. Congratulations. That's great. That's a dedicated service to this, to the city. Thank you for your efforts. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. So, um, but thank you guys for, for joining. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick, for, for just joining, taking time out and good luck. And y'all have an awesome day. Yeah. Go Maggie's. And, and uh, <laughs> may God bless San Antonio. Yes, sir. All right. Bye.